Welcome to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Now Hear This is a conversation with leaders in Indianapolis that are working to improve the lives of Hoosiers. Our goal is to empower you to join in their work and make a difference while informing you about the unseen aspects of life in Indiana. If you miss an episode, you can listen via podcast at Now Hear This indy.com we are continuing our coverage of how the COVID 19 pandemic is affecting our community it's impacting it in a significant way one of the areas that may not be seen on your facebook feed but is definitely an enormous issue that our next guest is tackling is tina clore who is the ceo of the children's bureau and their website is childrensbureau.org tina thank you so much for joining me today thank you for having me Please tell us what the Children's Bureau does. What do you do? So Children's Bureau is one of the oldest nonprofits in the city. Um, We were founded in 1851, and we provide services to prevent child abuse and also services to help intervene um, after child abuse or neglect has occurred in a family. And in our interview with Kids Voice, they mentioned that there has been uh, a significant uptick in child abuse, but it's rapidly unreported. What are you hearing? What are you seeing out in the community? Um, The number of child abuse calls coming in is has uh, decreased drastically um, because school's not in. People are not kids are not out um, and about now. They're more or less trapped in their homes. Um, but what we do know is that the calls that are coming in are tragic. Um, they're coming from hospitals um, with um, kids ha- basically ha- being deceased or having uh, fatal injuries. Wow. Okay. Um, I imagine, can you explain why there's a decrease in calls if we're seeing an uptick in that kind of violence? Um, it, it's because the mandatory reporters that would normally be seeing those kids and families out at school, at their therapist's office, you know, just in the normal course of action or other family members um, who would be coming into contact with their relatives who are, um, who they believe are being abused or neglected are no longer seeing them. So the stay at home order um, really has isolated victims of domestic violence in those situations. And those homes are more stressed than they've ever been. Um, because of a lot of financial stressors. So uh, it's just a, a very frightening time um, in terms of the well-being of our kids and other victims of domestic violence in the community. So when we say child abuse, what does that look like? And what forms does that express itself? And what would a mandatory reporter, like a therapist or a school teacher, what would they see? How would you know that a child is being abused? Um. Well, it can range from the kids not having their basic needs met and being neglected, from them not being supervised and being left home alone, to all the way up to um, pretty um, violent acts of physical abuse and sexual abuse. Um, You know, we're going to see and we are seeing, you know, a huge decrease in what's being reported, but the cases that are coming in are just really tragic levels of physical and sexual abuse. Can you give some context to the order of magnitude? What's what's the difference between what you may have seen two months ago versus what you're seeing now in some of these numbers that you're talking about? Well, the numbers are, um, they come out a month behind. So we don't have a full month's numbers yet. But what we know from talking to um, our partners at the Department of Child Services is that largely their phones aren't ringing. They're getting very few calls, um, but that the ones that are coming in 
are coming in largely from the only people who would be seeing these kids um, in those kind of situations, which are our first responders in the hospitals. So, man, that's such a tough problem to solve. I mean, if you are a neighbor, I would imagine that the, the, the person listening that may have some uh, suspicions of some sort, maybe a neighbor or a loved one, how, yeah. how, what advice would you give to those people who have some level of suspicion? Because it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to call DCS and make an accusation. And it's, it's you know, where, what level would you say you should, if you're concerned, take action? What we've really been encouraging people to do is to lay eyes on the kids in your life. Um, so for all the providers who are still, because, you know, we're all still working, instead of just delivering um, food and help with that, we actually physically ask the kids to come out so that we can lay eyes on them. So we're encouraging everybody who can to lay eyes on the children around you um, in your life. If you're a relative, often you already know that you're um, – that the kids in your family or circle of influence may have often, you know, when there are troubles there and this situation with COVID-19 just escalates that. So, you know, we encourage um, them to text the kids and see what's going on so that if they can't say something out loud, they can say it through text or messaging um, to get them on uh, Skype and take a look at them and make sure they look okay. Um, that if you haven't heard from your family members in a while um, and you know that they're potentially in an abusive situation that you um, check in on them. And if you have grave fears, you contact DCS or um, the police for a, che- for a che- welfare check. You know, all those systems are still working um, and, and your providers are still here. We're just having to do work differently. So um, if people are concerned they, and, and they think they see something, they need to say something um, and, and make sure that you contact the people who can provide help. So at what point are you brought into the process? How does Children's Bureau get involved in the life of a child? So on the prevention side, we get calls from families every day who are asking for help in getting what they need to take care of their kids. Um, that's one of the primary things that we do. We partner with Department of Child Services who actually funds that project along with um, some grantors. So uh, families call us and basically let us know that they need um, things to be able to care for their kids. Like right now during this epidemic, um, in some parts of the state, there aren't diapers available on the shelves. You know, your, your town is small enough that it may only have a Walmart. <laughs> and if Walmart doesn't have them, you can't get them. So we have been um, shipping those around the state and, and disseminating them. Um, often to the um, food banks and diaper banks and stuff like that so that we can push them out to the families who need them. So we do a lot of that kind of work in terms of helping families get their basic needs met. Um, We're helping people with food and hygiene supplies, you know, just all kinds of things like that in communities across central Indiana. We call that that program is called Community Partners for Child Safety. So it's a prevention program and people can just call and ask for help. Um, so we do a lot of that kind of work. And then um, the other side of what we do is um, providing um, assistance and intervention after some kind of abuse or neglect has happened. So those cases get to us because DCS calls after something's happened in a family and 
We may be providing foster care for a child. We um, are often going out into homes of parents who have a history of abusing and neglecting their kids, and we're trying to teach them to be better parents. Um, In this current situation, we're also checking on those kids to make sure they're safe um, and they have what they need. So um, there are a number of different ways that people um, begin receiving services from Children's Bureau. What's the best way for a listener to help you? Is it is it a volunteer situation, cash donations, donation of goods? What's the best way for people to get involved in your work? So we operate um, three shelters here in Indy for kids. Um, one of them we just opened this week is called um, Project Courage, and it's a shelter that is caring for the children of people who, of adults who've been affected by COVID-19 and are hospitalized um, or too ill to care for their kids. Um, so all three shelters have an ongoing um, need for things that, it, that you need to take care of kids. So our website, um, if you go to that under the donate section um, and look and open it up, there are actually lists of items that we need for the various programs um, to help meet the needs of those kids. So People can either donate resources or they can um, go on there and choose items off our Amazon list and it'll ship it straight to us and we can get it to the kids in the shelters. Can you give an example of some of the items that might be needed? Um, Yeah. So typically um, we are able to accept donated clothes and things like that that are um, gently used. But right now we can't because of all the concern about infection and we're not allowed to have uh, people in our building. So Um, The kids are coming to us with only the clothes on their back. So we need um, at least a spare outfit for each one of those kids. So there's a lot of clothing items on there, Um, diapers, wipes. Um, Our kids, uh, some of them are, well, in in one of the shelters, all of the kids have been exposed to the virus and some are sick. So we're having to set those rooms up like hospital rooms and and isolate the kids in quarantine. So we are asking for... Uh, crafts and coloring books and games, things they can do by themselves because um, they're going to be spending 14 days in isolation. Um, so, you know, if you can imagine, that's difficult. And we have kids as young, right now, as young as two in that shelter. Um, so it's just getting the things that we need. We basically um, started getting a lot of those calls for um, from hospitals and first responders with kids that needed someplace safe um, to be while their parents um, and caregivers were recovering. So we um, put the shelter together and and on some level are building it as we go in terms of getting um, some of the rest of those things that we need just to keep things running. How many kids are we talking and what kind of age ranges? Uh, We have kids, we take kids from birth to 18. And um, between the three shelters we have, about 60, 65 beds right now. And these are kids whose parents, there's no, their parent, their single parent gets sick and then there's no other family member that's able to care for them? Well, we had, we, there's some of that. Um, there's also, uh, we've had, there are a lot of grandparents raising kids right now because of our years of um, going through the um, Opi- opiate epidemic and addiction ep- epidemic. So, We've had cases where both grandparents were in the hospital. One grandparent died. We were waiting for the other one to get out um, to be able to take the kids back. So we get that. We've had um, single parents um, who are hospitalized. 
we have, you know, right now family is pretty loosely defined. There are a lot of different versions of kinship care happening with different folks raising kids. Um, and, and so we're supporting them um, by helping out with, with the kids. So it's really almost every situation you can think of um, in terms of who is in need of that. And some of them are people who um, would be people that typically live in poverty and some of them are not. Some of them are middle-class people who just may not have any contact or know anyone here or where their own relatives are already too high risk to take on kids that have been exposed to the virus. Hmm. Well, let's go back to the, the financial need, the family need mm-hmm. before if I ask my final question, I just want to give some context again, because I think people are spending all day on Twitter. They're seeing debates between, you know, lives versus the economy, but the, the need here is kind of getting missed for most people. And can you give an idea of for you on the ground, yeah. the difference between this time last year and what's happening right now? Yeah, so on a normal month in my child abuse prevention programs, we receive about 350 um, referrals for people who need basic help, basic needs assistance, which is like rent, utilities, food, um, very basic things, diapers. Um, We in April so far, um, the first week of April, we've had 650 requests. We had 650 referrals for families um, in one week. So we have pulled over resources inside the agency from other programs and our staff are working, you know, 12 or 14 hours a day, taking phone calls of people who are desperate. Um, a lot of the people that are contacting us work in the service industry or in sales. And um, many have filed for unemployment, but no check has come yet. Um, so they're kind of in that space in between where, you know, the first of April happened and, they were already um, people who were dependent on maybe not the highest income and, and then it didn't come, um, you know, so it's, it's been a challenge. Um, you know, the cost for people whose kids, you know, even some of the grandparents who were raising children, um, the kids were previously being fed at least some of their meals, a lot of times breakfast and lunch at school. Um, and now uh, that is not occurring. And if they, many of them don't have transportation to go actually pick that up. Um, they're having to come up with the money to pay for that. So we're trying to help plug those gaps. Um, it, it's, it's, it's an overwhelming um, volume of calls and that's just in Marion County. We do this service in 32 counties across the state. Tina Clore, CEO of Children's Bureau. Uh, your website is childrensbureau.org. That is B-U-R-E-A-U.org. Um, and, and that link will be in our, our show notes on our website if people want to go there and click there. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate everything you're doing. It sounds like it's making a big difference in a lot of people's lives, and I appreciate your work. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Bye. Now Hear This. I am your host, Chris Spangle. You can listen... Thank you for listening to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. If you missed any portion of our program, you can listen on our website... Now hear this indie.com. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please contact Gabby at 317-475-7407 or via the contact page on our website. Thanks for listening. And we will be back again next weekend with now hear this.
Are you tired of wasting your time watching people argue about politics? Are you ready to learn how to take liberty-based solutions and bring them to your average person and get those ideas into action? Hi, my name is Brian Nichols, sales executive and host of The Brian Nichols Show. As a senior communications consultant in the greater telecommunications and cybersecurity sector, I've spent years working with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. At The Brian Nichols Show, I'm bringing my sales coaching and expertise to the liberty movement. Why? Because in Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Subscribe to the program at briannicholsshow.com and find the show on your favorite podcast app. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com. And oh, be sure to grab my free copy of my new ebook, Four Easy Steps You Can Take to Sell Liberty to Friends and Family, right now while you're there. One more time, that's briannicholsshow.com.